shining a light on podcasts and videos that have caught our attention. The Spotlight with Jen Spiker. Weekdays on Vision and on demand in the free Vision Christian Media app. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media. Thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. Today with Jeff Vines, author, pastor, apologist and Bible teacher with a straight-talking message from the Word. You know what Jesus is saying here with this fig tree illustration? Imagine the best summer of your life. It's nothing like the summer that I'm going to bring. Today with Jeff Vines. Hello, my name is Bill, and welcome to another episode of Today with Jeff Vines. As we continue through a new series of messages from Pastor Jeff on the theme of awake, being awake to the reality of God, life, and the universe, Pastor Jeff is unpacking the deeper meaning behind Mark chapter 13, verse 23. It begins, So be on your guard. I have told you everything ahead of time. Jesus goes on to say more, but let's get into the message now as Pastor Jeff unpacks this. Here on Today with Jeff Vines. So be on your guard. I've told you everything ahead of time. But in those days following that distress, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening you know that it is near right at the door. Truly I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Verse 32, but about that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with their assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. This is the word of the Lord. In a moment in time, in 1945, folks, everything changed. The world, remember, most of you won't, some of you will, was at war with Germany and then now Japan. Both regimes were trying to conquer land and territory at the cost of whatever human lives were necessary. Motivated by Marxist point of view, man was nothing more than an animal. Some animals were inferior to others, so therefore needed to be eliminated in order for the progress or progression of humanity. Germany and Japan, bent on conquering the world, doing absolutely whatever it takes, millions viciously murdered under those regimes, and there was no end in sight. 
August 6, 1945, that's when the world changed because the United States dropped two nuclear bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Now, just let me stop here just for a moment because some of you are going to think, why is Pastor Jeff bringing this up? Look, it's important. Just stay with me. The devastation of those two bombs, mind-blowing. The fallout from a nuclear bomb blast, uh, when it explodes, it launches or destroys in every direction, every, every possible direction, and the destruction continues for many, many years after the dropping of the bomb. Let's say, for instance, that an atomic bomb was dropped on Los Angeles. A light would shine so brightly that you'd be blinded all the way from San Diego to Palm Springs in an instant. A scorching heat then would radiate from the explosion site, and then it would follow, be followed by this massive fireball, and the fireball itself would be tens of millions of degrees, as hot as the center of the sun. There'd be no survivors within a half-mile radius of the blast. All vegetation and plants would be burned or charred. A colossal wave of pressure then, as I understand it, follows. This fireball then, being pressed out, pushed out by this pressure, would travel somewhere around 500 miles an hour. And as it travels, destruction everywhere. There would be a crater of a, uh, 50 feet deep at the uh, blast site. Shock waves would travel immediately and so fast, two to three miles outside of the site blast again. And, and of course, this all happens in a matter of seconds. And then comes the radiation. The first pulse of radiation brings biological warfare at a molecular level and impacts everyone outside or those who are inside poorly insulated buildings. A person's structure, DNA structure, is actually altered at that point. They begin to feel nauseous, headaches, vomiting, and then the condition of the person over the next minutes and hours worsens. They cannot recover from a restructuring of their DNA till ultimately they die. So you have 300,000 plus people incinerated just in a moment, another 300,000 die, and then hundreds of thousands continue to die for days to come. Now, again, why would I use that example? And the reason is because that is the most powerful form of physical darkness in the human experience right now. Physical darkness. And we've created it. In a way, in theory, we could destroy ourselves now. So we have created a way to destroy all humanity. And whether that's the way it'll happen or not, we, we could talk about that according to Scripture, but we have the potential. Now, most familiar to most Americans is what is known as the mushroom cloud. These are the pictures they showed us when we were growing up to warn us of the devastation of a nuclear explosion. Because hydrogen, oxygen, everything's pulled up into the air, all the debris, and then just redistributed throughout the atmosphere. And that became known as the sign. Now, I want to tell you about another cloud. And I think it's the best way to approach this very difficult passage. Verse 24, Mark 13 says, But in those days following that distress, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Now, we love talking about the first coming of Jesus. You've got a little star, you've got a little baby in Bethlehem, you've got the shepherds and the wise men and the magi and the... The confusion or the signs and wonders of the constellations and then the gifts, the gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The first coming is kind of cute, right? Second coming, not so much, not so peaceful. 
You have stars falling from the sky, earthquakes, the sun and the moon are doing some rather strange things, the clouds are involved, and there's a whole lot of shaking going on. And it seems so apocalyptic, almost over the top. Now, if you're following all in the text, and remember, we believe that the Bible and understanding the Bible is more valuable than any funny story you're ever going to hear, because that's the thing you're going to remember. And so it's important to understand the text as it has been revealed to us. And in the original language, something that's very difficult to see in our English translation is that verse 30 actually looks back to verse 4 in Mark 13. Look up at the first part of Mark 13, rather. Look at verse 1. As Jesus was leaving the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what a massive stone, or what massive stones, what magnificent buildings. Do you see all these great buildings, replied Jesus? Not one stone is going to be left on the other. Every one will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, well, tell us when these things are going to happen and what will be the sign that they're all about to be fulfilled. Now, Jesus in verse 30 in the original language is answering the question of verse 4. Tell us when these things will happen. What things? The temple will be destroyed. And here's his answer. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. When will these things happen, Jesus? When will the temple be destroyed, not one stone left upon another? I'll tell you when it's going to happen, Jesus said. It's going to happen before you die in your lifetime. And it did. A.D. 70, Titus sacked Jerusalem. The Romans did attack. Jerusalem was destroyed. If you know the story, these things did indeed take place within their lifetime. But Jesus, knowing what they're thinking continues in verse 24 and says, but in those days, following that distress, now just quickly, that distress is the destruction of the temple of Jerusalem that happened in 70 AD. In the original language, it is very clear that Jesus now switches gears and he stops talking about the temple destruction and starts talking about the second coming. He does so because one is a foreshadowing of the next one and there's so many similarities. That's why this passage can be confusing. So he moves on to talk about the second coming. He says, following that distress, now not, not the next day, but in that season, in the last days, and folks, the last days began at the ascension of Christ and have been going on since his return. That's a long period of last days. But that's the way the Bible uses that language. He says, the sun will be darkened. Now we're talking about the second coming. The moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky. The heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in clouds, in clouds, notice the absence of a definite article. In clouds with great power and glory. So Jesus is saying, make no mistake, you're going to see some pretty bad stuff. When the temple is destroyed and hundreds of thousands of people starve to death, and when Titus wreaks havoc and destruction on Jerusalem, you're going to think, well, what's going on here? He said, but don't worry. The end is going to happen, and I will return. In fact, the return of Jesus is mentioned 300 times in the New Testament. That's one out of every 13 verses. So it's a pretty big deal. Then in verse 26, Jesus says, at that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. So when Jesus returns, he will come in clouds with power and glory. Again, notice the absence of the definite article. Not the clouds, but he's come in clouds, coming in clouds with great power and glory. Genesis 1, chapter 1 through chapter 3. We read about the Garden of Eden, and, and we talked about it being paradise. And it's paradise because you have the presence of God there in all of its fullness. That's why it's referred to as a sanctuary. Paradise, beauty, glory, holiness. 
And nothing dead or decaying or broken or disintegrating can exist where God's full presence is in operation. That's why people get so confused about the difference between heaven and hell and can there be a hell. Well, heaven is the full presence of God where everything's able to operate and function as it was meant to operate and function. Even the trees of the field will clap their hands. Hell is the total absence of the sanctuary, the presence of God. And if God withdraws completely his presence, there can be no good thing. That's the difference between the two. Most of our world today lives in darkness where there's an absence of the sun. Spiritually speaking, it's like living on the dark side of the moon. There's no spiritual photosynthesis. So there's very little human flourishing. So we do see brokenness and disease and death and hunger and violence and injustice and poverty, all of those things. Remove the sunlight, plants die. Remove the ultimate light, we cannot possibly flourish. However, and this is why we begun this way, began this way, and it's a rather large however. When Jesus returns, he is bringing the glory cloud. Now, what's the glory cloud? Again, stay with me. This is, this is worth what we're doing here. Sometimes in the Bible, even though paradise has been lost, the healing, life-giving presence of God shows up from time to time. And one of those places is the Exodus. So the presence of God shows up and he brings healing and deliverance to set the captive free, to heal the brokenhearted, to lead them to a tabernacle of his ultimate presence where the presence of God dwells and to grant them this type of liberation. Now, when he shows up in the Exodus, what does it look like? It looks like a cloud, right? During the day and a pillar of fire at night. Actually, the, Greek, the uh, Hebrew word is Shekinah, the fiery brilliance of God. Now, at that time in verse 26, we're told that people will see, we're talking about the second coming, that's literal and, and physical, so it's not metaphorical here. You will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. So when Jesus returns, he's bringing the glory cloud with him. Now, what is the glory cloud? The full presence of God to envelop the entire world. And that's why the trees of the field will clap their hands. In the full presence of God, everything flourishes. Everything will be able to do what it was originally meant to do without the tarnishness and corrosion of sin and death and disintegration. And I think for most of us, we don't really realize what that means when the presence of God fully and completely fills the earth. Now, here's why we began this way. It's crucial. Did you know that with all the devastating power and light from the atomic bomb, it pales in comparison to the power, light, and glory on display when Christ returns? Pales. Look, I know I'm older. I got that. Believe me, I know. It's happening. It's getting worse every day. I've gone on this diet to try to lose some uh, belly fat. Uh, and you say, what do you know about? But well, you, it's another story. The point is, I don't know what word to use because they change all the time. You know, the young people have their own words. But I've got this word I really like. And I, I looked it up because there's a song that I listen to all the time that uses this word. So I don't mean to be offensive at all. It's not an offensive word because I looked it up and it means something really good. But it's the word bomb diggity. <laughs> now, now bomb diggity, I looked it up. It means excellent and really cool. <laughs> so I thought, you know what? This is a great word because I, I don't know why. I just like the word. I think it's a funny word. What I'm trying to say to you is man may have the atom bomb, but Jesus tells us that God is the bomb diggity. <laughs> 
And why is he excellent and really cool? It's because he's going to use his power to bring a light that will forever push back the darkness. And the reality is from the beginning, he's desired to fill the entire world with his presence. That's why he redeemed it. He saved it in order to sanctify it. But before he could sanctify it, it had to be saved, redeemed. And so when he releases the bomb diggity, do you know what's going to happen? The world with all of its imperfections are removed. The glory cloud will suck all the disintegration and debris, won't throw it back out into the atmosphere, will do away with it once and for all. And a light will shine so brightly, the Shekinah glory of God, that it will be seen throughout the entire world. It won't blind you. You will begin to see things as they really are. The plants and the vegetation will thrive in a land flowing with milk and honey, waves of joy will shoot out and happiness will flow outward upon every person and nation. And then our DNA will be changed. You know, that's the message of 1 Corinthians 15. God is going to restructure. He's going to make us, remake us. It's still us, but he's going to change our DNA in such a way that it will be conducive to the new physics of the new world. Jesus is the bomb diggity. The glory of God returns. The earth is filled with life and vitality. And whatever you've lost in this life will be replaced to an infinitely greater degree. All evil and injustice and death and disease destroyed in his way. And look at what Jesus says in verse 28. I love this passage. Jesus seems to have a real problem with fig trees. Have you ever noticed? In verse 28, now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Now, most plants in Israel... Uh, did not lose their leaves in winter. But the fig tree lost leaves in winter, did not return till the spring, and then ultimately come back in the summer. So what Jesus is saying here is beautiful. That's why I'm hammering it. And then I'll give you the application. What he's saying here, are any of you nostalgic? I mean, you hear a song on the radio, it reminds you of something. You a smell, and it reminds you of something. There are so many things. I must be Mr. Nostalgic. I must be in touch with my feminine side. Can I say that? I just did. Uh, I'm thinking, you know, I, I smell blackberries today, even blackberry jam. I think of my mom in the summertime making homemade blackberry jam. You know, I, I listen to a song and I think of the long summer days. I love the summer in East Tennessee. The thing about our winters, our winters in East Tennessee were cold and dark. Now, we didn't get a lot of snow like Minnesota, you know, but it was just dark. You didn't see the sun for like four or five months because of overcast. The one thing I did like about East Tennessee summers, though, once it decided that spring was here, it seldom went back on its word. No Groundhog Day in East Tennessee. Once it came, it came, and you knew it was just going to get better. Baseball in the backyard, playing with my friends till 10 p.m. at night, endless days, man, all of that stuff. You know what Jesus is saying here, what he's communicating with this fig tree illustration? He's saying, you know what? Imagine the best summer of your life. It's nothing like the summer that I'm going to bring. It would pale in comparison to the ultimate spring and summer. When you see spring and the fig tree's leaves prodding outward, you're supposed to be reminded that the greatest summer of all time is coming. The best summer you ever had. It will be sunny and bright and perfectly warm for the rest of your life. I'm going to bring ultimate sunlight, Jesus says, after centuries and centuries of darkness and winter. When I release that bomb diggity, I'm going to heal this world. I'm going to come in the glory cloud. My presence will gather up everything that has to do with darkness 
and the brightest light will shine. Now, why did I start this way? Because the last word in this text, in this section of text, is the one word, watch. And Jesus says, since you know this to be true, then here's what I'm asking you to do. Watch. The question I have, does this text tell us what a watcher looks like? And by inference, it does. Three things quickly. Number one, if you're really a watcher, that means you're awake and you are awake socially and spiritually to the degree that you actually care about those still living in darkness. If you're awake and you're watching, you care about those in darkness. Do you know what spiritual sleepiness is according to Jesus? It's when a Christ follower stops looking for Christ's coming, anticipating the ultimate summer. We say, well, why would he or she do that? Let me give you a clue. The second coming is good news for those whose lives are filled with bad news. Neil Platinga says this, powerful quote, if you're a slave in Pharaoh's Egypt or an Israelite exiled in Babylon, if you're a Kosovar exiled in Albania or a woman living in a culture where you're devalued, seen as a secondary subservient where if your husband gets angry with you can have his buddies come out and slap you into shape or even rape you, if you are a Christian in sub-Saharan Africa today where AIDS is devastating an entire population, then you don't yawn when someone mentions the return of Jesus Christ. If your own life is so comfortable that you no longer want and watch for the coming of Christ, then the advice we're given in Scripture is that you must look across the world to see lives that aren't so comfortable. Passionate Christians desire the return of Jesus, and so do compassionate Christ followers. So be careful. Enjoy your life. Thank God that you have what you have, your family, your friends, food, and shelter. But it's important to remember this. There are so many others in the world who do not have that privilege, who do not live with such comforts. And the reality is if you're a person in this world today and you're a Christ follower and you're not longing and watching for the second coming, the eternal summer, it's because you live in a little bubble in one of the few places in the world, in one of the few times in history where you are privileged. And if we don't care out of ignorance or apathy what life is like for most people, the advice we're given, we're not condemned. Jesus just says, wake up, awake, watch, get rid of your spiritual sloth, the parochialism or the self-absorption that keeps you from wanting the eternal summer because the world desperately needs it. You're listening to Today with Jeff Vines. And Pastor Jeff is really getting us to think about if our lives are so comfortable, then do we no longer watch for the coming of Christ? Scripture warns us to be on guard. Join me next time to hear how Pastor Jeff concludes this message based on Mark chapter 13, verse 23. If you're a watcher, it will transform your personal integrity. You say, well, how so? Verse 32, but about that day or hour, no one knows not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. Thanks again for joining me. I look forward to your company next time on Today with Jeff Vines. Today with Jeff Vines. For more from Pastor Jeff, head to vision.org.au forward slash Jeff Vines.
Today with Jeff Vines. Just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.